This is episode 72 with a mixture of awesome legends. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on Your Impactful Journey. I'm recording again on the deck of our rental home on the Gold Coast, overlooking the pool and the canal, once again, just in board shorts, lapping up the vitamin D. It's winter and the temperature is 23, 24 degrees Celsius, not a breath of wind. The water is like glass and I've just had a paddle on the kayak for today's training session. Training for life, by the way, not not to be a kayaker. There's dozens and dozens of fish swimming around too, and it's there's some quite decent-sized brim and mullet as I look down into the water. And I'm not going to lie, there's been some big swirls in the water today, and all the fish have scrambled a few times. And I know these waters are full of bull sharks, so I have no idea if it's a shark coming through at a deeper level each time or just other big fish, but I haven't let that stop me from paddling in the kayak today. I've had a bit of a scare once actually when we were living in Sydney. We used to live across from one of the beautiful bays and I'd carry my kayak across on my head and paddle as a workout around a few of the different bays and the harbour and sometimes I used to fish from the kayak and catch flathead and brim. I loved it. I still love it. But one time when we were there in Sydney, I was paddling around in the open bay and I'd been going for about 30 minutes and pushing it for a big session and then this massive swirl happened just over my right shoulder and about two meters behind me and just this big swirl in the water and I was about probably 30 meters offshore out in amongst some boats and I didn't see what it was and then it disappeared and I just looked and I thought I have no idea if that was a shark or a stingray or big fish, whatever it was, I'm out of here. And I just paddled my heart out to the edge. And then I got out at the edge and climbed up on the rocks and dragged my kayak up. And I was just looking back in the water. My heart was beating so fast. One, because I was buggered from the push. And two, because it could have been a shark right there beside me, behind me. I knew the waters were full of bull sharks. Anyway, I didn't see anything from there, but I weighed up the the outlook of this and I had a pretty big paddle back or I could put the kayak on my head and walk and it was a fair walk and to be honest that's what I did I was scared (laughs) I put the kayak on my head and walked up the rocks with it on my head and then found the road and had to weave back through all these back streets back to my home took me about 45 minutes to walk with the kayak on my head Needless to say, I did go kayaking again in there quite often, but just in that moment, I thought, well, you know what? 
if that was a shark and he's hanging around, my big bright orange kayak might look like a bit of a lure, so I'm not going to test the waters this time. (laughs) Uh, To be honest, I probably shouldn't be recording this because my gorgeous fiance Marie is always worried about the sharks in the canal when we go kayaking. She's from Sweden. She has all the right to be worried and she'll listen to this episode and be on to me about it again. <laughs> on to me about it in a loving, caring way, of course. Anyway, this episode, this episode I'm sharing with you is to highlight a few things. One is the power of connection and community to enhance your learning, growing and developing experience in your life. I also wanted to highlight my consistent gratitude for you, the listeners, and the feedback I receive on your love for and enjoyment of the podcast. Some of the emails and private Facebook messages I've received from people who tell me how the guests and I have helped change the trajectory of their lives significantly in a positive way is humbling and exciting. I've had some deep detailed emails from people that have highlighted how this podcast has helped them recover from some deep, dark mental battles in their life. And I love that feedback. I often get goosebumps and I've cried a few times to Marie with some of the outpouring I've received. That to me is impact. When I talk about impacting the lives of hundreds of thousands of people, That's what I'm referring to. That's what I'm extremely freaking proud about with this podcast. And I love the short, happy, energetic messages and emails from people too. Just reaching out to say things like, hey, I love the podcast. The guests are amazing. I'm addicted and I listen regularly. Keep it coming. It's great to hear how and why this podcast is impacting your journey. So please reach out and let me know. And that includes tagging me on social media, tagging us. So tag at Life for Excellence, at L-I-F-E-F-O-R-X-L-N-S on Facebook or Instagram or Instagram stories. Tag us where you're listening. We get some legends all around the world doing this and I love it. Marie and I love to check out where people are listening to the podcast. And it's because of all this feedback and also my enlightenment, that I include special guest appearances in our mental strength training online program from these guests that you guys love to be inspired by. If you've listened to some of the powerful guests on this podcast and wish you could ask them some questions directly or just have them speaking to you, that's exactly what we offer in the online program. So this episode, I wanted to take you on a bit of a journey and give you all a brief snapshot of some of the discussions we have in these private Facebook groups that we form with the online community. Enjoy these golden nuggets from some genuine human souls. This is Kath Cashel from The Kindness Factory, who was on the podcast in episode number nine and blew me away and continually impresses the world with her grit and resilience after her significant life challenges, which have included a broken back twice, almost getting her leg amputated, 
losing a loved one to suicide, a brain tumour and more. You've had some huge, huge challenges and adversities in your life. Yep, sure have, yeah. <laughs> and like we said, there's a, there's a lot of, when we talk about mental strength and mental resilience, and when I think about mental strength, that's what I think about Kath Cashel, and I think about the things that you've had to overcome mentally and Thanks, physically. Mate. Thank you. So I'll kick it off. Like I yep. said, I've had a few questions that have been written in for people that can't make it on today live. And just a reminder for those that are live, you can send in your questions. But one of the questions straight up from someone was just asking, how did you learn? So not what did you learn, but how did you learn the mental strength training to get you through some of your adversity? Well, if I'm going to be completely honest, which I'm hoping to be as honest as I can be during this podcast and and. For the record, if there are people watching now, there is no question that's off limits. So if you want to ask any sort of question, there's nothing too personal that you can ask and I'll do my best to answer in whatever way I can. So up until the age of 24, I was very one-dimensional as a person, I I believe. So I wasn't really into mindset and understanding resilience or anything like that. I suppose I did it inadvertently through grit and determination, things like that. I wasn't technically a great cricket player at the start. And then I just sort of trained so hard that I became a good cricket player and I reached the accolades that I did. So I suppose through those processes of learning grit and understanding what grit was. And for me, that was understanding, I suppose, my strengths as a person. So, okay, I have the skills... I don't have the skill set to be a professional cricket player, but I want that really bad and I can achieve that if I put my mind to it. So here I go, I'm going to have a go and I'm going to give this a red hot crack. So that's what I did. And then I suppose breaking my back the first time, again, didn't I'd never suffered a major injury. I think I'd broken my thumb plus maybe rolled an ankle or something like that. So nothing huge or anything life-changing. So again, it was just, I suppose for me, understanding what, it was around me that I could use to tap into those strengths and to keep me on track, I guess. So couldn't walk. That was okay. I could get around in a chair. or uh, And then when I was in a chair, my next goal was to be in a frame. And then when I was on a frame, it was to walk with sticks. And then when I was on sticks, it was walk to, one, walk to walk with one stick. And then from one stick, it was to walk independently. So I suppose it was a step-by-step process which is how I I taught myself to become mentally resilient and then I just used those processes the more adversities that I faced it was more about understanding my situation learning as much as I could about my situation and then once I could understand the situation and I suppose let it absorb myself I could then understand the process that I could take to sort of overcome it does that sort of answer the question yeah that answers it and plus more so would you say that acceptance is a big part of that so when you say you learn about your adversities and your challenges and then that acceptance gives you that because if you don't if we don't have acceptance of what's happening in our life so nothing ever happens to us it only ever happens for us which is a big mindset shift but would you say that that's kind of what happens within you and then that acceptance of okay this is what my challenge is right now. How do I move forward from it instead of letting it overtake me? A hundred percent. Yeah, acceptance was huge for me. I remember the first time I went to rehab, which was hugely confronting for me. I was 24 at the time and I think if you've listened to the podcast, you'll sort of hear me say I was surrounded by the elderly and it was a really unknown environment to me. I'd been fit and healthy prior to that point 
And I hated it the first week. And I don't think it's ever a place that anyone's going to enjoy a rehab centre. They're pretty horrible places and really confronting. And I remember the first week getting quite upset and I was quite emotional and I didn't really like the environment that I was in. And it took me a week to understand, well, the only person that can change this situation and get you out of this environment is yourself. So accepting the fact that I was there, I wasn't going to get out of there if I kept complaining about it or did nothing about it to fix that situation. So yeah, firstly acceptance and then secondly, and I think that's happened with all of my adversities as well like understanding Jim's death I think I can still get confused by that with mental health and suicide there's a lot of things that sort of attach itself to that and you can sort of spend days and hours sort of wondering about that sort of stuff but accepting that it is what it is and that you can you know control what's only in front of you and not what's behind you is probably a big thing that I sort of did as well and then again I suppose the second time I got I broke my back and got hit by a car again the first couple of days in hospital coming out of surgery all that kind of stuff why me all that sort of thing like it happens I think sometimes people sort of can look at you once you overcome all these sorts of things and say oh they mustn't have a bad day and that's completely not not the case either. I think we're all human beings and we all have moments and days that that we're allowed to feel crappy about ourselves or, you know, think why me and the world's out to get me and all those sorts of things. But again, it's accepting that I felt that emotion and that's okay. Now I'm, I'm choosing and it's my personal choice to move on from that feeling and that acceptance, I suppose. And now who's in the control seat? It is me in every single situation as well. It is you that can make that choice. So accepting it and then making the choice to go, but what am I going to do about it? How am I going to fix it? If I can't fix it, what am I going to do to make sure that my life stays on the path that I want it to stay on, I suppose? Brilliant. And I I think it's, I'll get to one of these questions that Cam's just sent in, but I think it's really powerful what you just spoke about in terms of a grieving period because the fact is we need to experience those grieving periods in those times of adversities or the major challenges in life and we need to experience those emotions within that grieving period but then it's from there that you accept that this is the reality and that there is actually a chance for you now to do something about it but I love that you bring that up because some people think the grief, and this is where when people get stuck in the victim mentality of poor me, they're stuck in that grieving period for too long because they don't have the support or the understanding, the knowledge, the, the know-how, how to control that to move them out of that grieving period and not be stuck in it. Yeah, 100%. So I'll- uh, I get goosebumps every time I hear Kath speak. She's been such an abundant contributor in these online communities and like she said, nothing is off limits she's always so open and the program participants have connected abundantly and asked some really powerful questions a big part of what kath was referring to in that answer was around the emotional intelligence training she's done and the acceptance and commitment therapy aspects she mentioned that she is human and she experiences the unhelpful and draining emotions, but she has awareness. Awareness is step one. Then she has acceptance of those thoughts and feelings. She takes responsibility of them, and then she commits to taking the required action to shift into the helpful emotional states and mindsets and taps into her tool belt to help her move forward despite all the shit things that have happened to her. I can't say it enough, but I truly believe Kath Cashel is alive because of kindness. And I will forever be abundantly grateful for the soulful contributions she gives us in the mental strength training online community.
We've also had one of my great mentors, performance coach, Nam Baldwin, as a special guest. Nam coaches world-class athletes, billionaires, and the in-betweeners like you and I. And he's taken the group through breathing exercises and also blew us away with some of his deeper value and knowledge of human behavior that you and I can benefit from, not just elite athletes. So in relation to that, what are some of the most powerful tools or habits that that we as non-athletes, so anyone in society, can learn to be the best version of ourselves? What are a couple of the key ones that you feel like most people in community can benefit from significantly? So, so really good question. I think a big part of it is, is learning the process of what allows you to feel your best. And I'll give you an example. It might be as simple as, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you've got a very simple routine that allows you to feel connected to yourself. And that can be via your breath. So an example might be you wake up, you have three really good breaths or four or five really good breaths so that you just become very present. Because what happens with a lot of people is that their minds wander into the future or the past an awful lot that is, you know, it's all kind of that they're just wandering off and not allowing themselves to be present with what is. So they, they might focus on a negative thing that happened in the past or something that's creating anxiety in the future that hasn't happened yet. So they're, they're stuck in these two areas where really if they become very present in the morning when they first wake up, it allows them to align with another aspect that I now share, which is, you know, being very appreciative of something or very grateful of something so that you start to build this centering mechanism through a process. And that can be in any shape or form. I mean, I'm using breathing as a foundation, but you know, you could, you could get out of bed and, and make your perfect coffee and just sit and drink and just be very present with your coffee and just go into a form of appreciation for the coffee or the fact that, you know, you're, you've got a roof above your head, whatever it may be to keep you in the here and now as much as we can, and then start to set intention of how you want to run your morning. So, you know, you set intention of, okay, how am I going to run this morning? What have I got to achieve? And how am I going to do it? And just get some clarity around that and sit with some of the process of how to follow through. Is this the best way I could run this? And then what will happen over time is you start to create a habit where your brain and your mind become very connected together, where you are being present because you've chosen to be present. So you're building a greater level of self-awareness. You're using physical things such as breathing or it could be, you know, when you get out of bed, be where your feet are. There's an interesting concept. Be where your feet are. So you, you put your feet on the floor and just be here and then add the appreciation, the gratitude, and then maybe intention. Okay, how am I going to run my morning? So what I'm trying to suggest here is just as a simple process or tool or toolkit is to think about winning mornings. You know, then you could go and do a little bit of a routine exercise-wise to get your body feeling really great and getting blood flow, you know, uh, getting your brain switched on, getting oxygenated, and short exercise. It doesn't have to be long. You know, it could be cheap as I jump on the bike for two minutes in the morning or 30 seconds sometimes just to go, okay, body, it's time to switch on 
and help get some chemistry moving that allows hormones to activate like dopamine that allows me to focus and feel good. And so with that, you're obviously being mindful and coming into the moment and then we're changing our energetic states to prepare for the day. With those in the moments and those mindfulness aspects, whether it's breathing, whether it's the drinking your coffee mindfully, whether it's whatever you're doing mindfully, you talked about developing a habit. What does that do for us in the morning? We hear people talk about, and I'm interested from your perspective, if we're only doing it for two minutes in the morning, how does that transfer to later in the day? Is that another habit that we have to develop taking that? Or is there chemistry or wiring that takes it further into the day? Yeah, so when you wake up in the morning and you're doing things like this, first off, you know, you, you've, you've started fresh. When you've woken up, the reason why we sleep multiple reasons but one of the reasons is to process information so yesterday's information if you've had a fairly good sleep has been processed and now you've started from a clean slate so if you start the day really effectively you'll find that that information that you're putting through yourself and the way that you're holding yourself and the way that you feel will then translate for a good amount of time during the day you've started off on the right foot so what then happens is your potential is that you're going to focus more on the things you can control. You'll focus more on the positive things of life. And then that becomes a habit because our brains then become familiar with what is. And it loves to, to go to what it's familiar with. So if I wake up and do this every morning for three, four weeks, it gets very familiar with it. And therefore, the feelings I create from it, it wants more of. And it will find ways to get more of that experience during the day. So then I might have another couple of things I could jot in or put in for the mid-morning lunchtime onwards where I can then go, okay, now I need to follow through with this process. And by the way, the end of the day is always to reflect and review what am I proud of, what can I improve on. Brilliant. And you said there earlier before you got into that that people – we can wake up and focus on things that haven't happened yet and they create anxiety and that in itself is a habit. So if we start to focus on the things that aren't important, that don't matter or that actually take us away from our visions and goals, that becomes a bad habit. So we're actually developing a good habit in opposition to developing a bad habit. Correct, because you know, 80% of most of our thinking is tending towards the what if and this could be scary and you know that's just the way our brains are wired so unless we take action and ideally first thing in the morning from my perspective there's a tendency that you know you're going to focus on not such good stuff and then that that brings not such good stuff into your life because your brain is looking for it it's there anyway no doubt you know you, you could look at there's so many things that, that aren't going right in the world and if you focus on it it's there but the goal is to try and get our brains to, to focus on what we can control, which is, you know, we, we do have control when we first wake up. We can decide how we're going to run our morning and then, you know, start to follow through with the feelings that we get from that and bring that in regularly during the day. Trigger it during the day. One other question we had was from someone who listened to the podcast and your actionable advice to people at the end was, to take radical responsibility. What does that mean to you? 
Yeah, so radical responsibility, and I, I think I mentioned discipline too, is you know, radical responsibility in how you think and feel. Don't blame others. Think about or blame other things. How, how can you make a difference through, the, through your thoughts and actions and feelings so that you're coming from a place of truth? And take, take ownership, of, uh, ownership of that. Don't, don't rely on the environment or external factors to make you feel stuff. See if you can generate it from within, through your actions, through your communication, etc. Brilliant. And that's a lot of what we touch on in this program. Now, I've got a question here from Glenn. He says, is there an age or level of maturity when you can start using these techniques? I have an almost 10-year-old who has anxiety and being able to bring her back to a present state would help immensely. Yeah, so uh, there's a great game you can play, Glenn. It's called Fill My Finger. So bringing her back to present time. So get her to close her eyes and very gently touch maybe her shoulder. And all she has to say is now. So when she feels you touch her shoulder, she has to say now. Then maybe touch her forehead and she has to say now. But her eyes are closed. So what you're doing with that little drill is you're bringing her back to now and her attention on the moment when your finger touches her that then you know is, is realigning with being here, being present. And then one of the greatest things for anxiety is to create laughter. So whenever you find that she's triggering herself into anxiety, to, to do something that's funny or show something that's funny, anxiety and laughter don't usually come together. Laughter will always dissipate the tension that anxiety creates. Um, that's two things right there that I believe are great. And obviously, you know, and then get her to, to laugh a lot, get her to breathe. Now breathe, just calm down, breathe. And get her to take a couple of nice, good, deep breaths that helps eliminate the tension that she's probably creating in a diaphragmatic area through not breathing effectively. Brilliant. Brings a bit of fun into it too. I like that one. I'm cool. sure that'll help, Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> Now, now. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn, I want to see a video of you doing it too. <laughs> All right, we've got another one from Cam. When we identify our correct mindset and feelings that trigger our own personal flow, what are some methods we can use to recreate that feeling and mindset to achieve flow more often in everyday life? Boom! Nam doesn't just talk about things like morning routines and breathing because he's interested in it. It's because they're tools that work for all humans. I've been practicing and teaching similar methods for years and also been learning at a deeper level from Nam himself. And that's why I bring these elements into the Mental Strength Training Online program. These are some of the powerful habits and tools you will learn and implement. And you heard Glenn, he even got benefits and tips on how to be a better parent and help his children ease their anxiety issues. This program opens up so many opportunities that even Marie and I can't foresee before the start of each round. We love it. Katrina Webb, who was the very first guest on this podcast, episode number one has also graced us with her beauty and her value. As a reminder, Katrina is a three-time Paralympian and three-time Paralympic gold medalist. She's a keynote speaker, a TEDx speaker, a philanthropist, 
and a mother of three. No, well, thank you, Webby. We're extremely grateful to have you. We understand that you're a, I won't say busy woman, I like to use the word productive. You're a very productive woman, mother of three, and got lots of other things going on in your life. So we're extremely grateful to have your time on this Sunday morning. And like I've said before, I am very inspired by all human beings, but you are one of those just inspirational women that I've been lucky to share part of my journey with and I'm excited to unpack a bit more value around this mental strength uh, training space with you today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. You know, one of my top values is actually helping people and making a positive impact in people's lives. So if I can do this on a Sunday morning, it's pretty easy to get out of bed for. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned the word there and we're going to dive straight into that because we've done part of this program. So it's called mental strength training. And what's really important to me from a coaching perspective in this area is to help people create clarity in their lives and a big part of that to me is, is a vision, but also around your values and people establishing their values. So we've had the, the questionnaires and helping people establish their values over the last few weeks. And then this week we dive even deeper into it. So I wanted to kick it off with you straight away because I know this is a big part of your life. Mm-hmm. And can you just tell, talk to us a little bit about values and what it actually means and the power of not just establishing them and identifying them, but also living by our values? Yeah, look, I'm so glad you've sent out questionnaires and you've got people trying to work out what their values are. It's, um, it's not done by many, which always fascinates me. And I was working with groups of women yesterday, or Friday and Thursday, having that same conversation with them around, has your organisation got values? Yes. Have you got any values? No. Have you ever thought about them? So for me, you know, when I actually reflect back on my whole life journey, and that's something... I'm being really lucky to do because I'm a speaker and spend a lot of time on stage. One of those things that you need to be able to do well is to go back into your life and look at those points that defined you, um, the bits that were difficult, but also the more, most important thing, what people can learn from, from you. It's no point telling stories if there's no value in others for people to grow. And when I started to explore my own values, I could see from a very young age where my values haven't changed and the way I behaved, the things I like to do, the things I offered to do, um, and it was really quite clear there were some there that were, were, were there. They haven't actually changed. So if I look at my top three values, for example, um, the first one I've already mentioned to you is that I love to make a positive difference in people's lives or a positive change. And as a young child, when I go back and look at some of the things that I did that other kids didn't do, um, I went, wow, that was really important to me right back then. And I, I would always be, um, I don't know, I was always looking after other people's kids. I was, when there was tragedy in, I remember there was a situation where my parents' best friends lost their son in a tragic accident. And I was a 12-year-old girl speaking to the dad and asking him the questions that no one was brave enough to ask. And so I realised I had a a bit of a gift, but I was actually putting my values into action and it made me be the best version of myself, even as a young young girl. Um, So I then become a physio at university, you know, went to university and started to be a physio because that's about helping people as well. So as I started to get older and more experienced and when I spent time looking at my values, not only was it useful to go back and see what choices I'd made in my career or even through just being a person and what brings the best out in me, but then also then start to think, well, what would I like more of and what other values are really important to me? Um, 
So health has always been a really important value in my in my life. I've I've been involved in sport for a very long time and I don't compete um, at a high level anymore but my value around health is about um, having energy and zest and for everything that I do in my life. So whenever I set goals around that particular value, it's around you know, taking this great energy and zest and energy to have the things that I love to do in my life. So for me, it's been a wonderful journey, really. And there's other values about, for me, the other really important one that I like to share with people is about being authentic and being me. And when I get out of bed, if I can put that value into action every day, it's about how do I take the, the Katrina web that I was born to be everywhere I go. And there's sometimes still where I might be in a meeting or I might meet somebody and I start to... And I'll question myself, what happened there? Did you start to change yourself or you're trying to fit in and um, you weren't really bringing that value completely into action? So, yeah, so being able to do that has been really helpful. Yeah, that's, I think that's an important word there is that action. And someone actually sent in a message to ask to create a bit of clarity around in the podcast. So most of the people in the group have listened to the podcast with you and I. And you mentioned there that, that, that your values are like your true north. Could you speak to that a little bit, please? Yeah, yeah, that's it. So when people ask what are what are values and what are goals and what's the difference between the two, um, so values are your guiding principles. Yeah, it's like a compass. They are your true north. It's it's also for me, you know, what wouldn't you be moved for as an individual? And whenever you go anywhere, what would you like people to see about you? And how do you put them into action? And so they're the real defining behaviours or words or um, for people just to go, what, what do I want people to know about me and what's really important to me? And the question also then is that when I get a bit lost and I'm not sure where to go, I'll go back to those values which are my guiding principles and then I'll have a clarity over what decision to make next. So that might be around a, a, a job, a role, new role you're going for. It might be around some new goals you want to set for 2018. And that's a really important place to go is actually to go to your values first and say, okay, if I want to take these everywhere I go and want to be known for these because this is what I love to do and this is my... This is what I stand for. These are my guiding principles. How do, I, how do I then set goals through those values and put them into actions? And that's what organisations do. <laughs> if you look at an organisation and a business, that's exactly what they try and actually then do is say, well, here's our, here's our mission and our vision. These are our values. But how do we know that we're actually living our values? And how do, how do we know throughout an organisation when our staff are doing what we want them to do to get that, that mission and vision? And why do you believe most of us don't or it takes a long time in our lives before we do establish our values. Is it, is it education? Is it a lack of understanding how to actually use our values or what it means? Yeah, look, I, I think, and, you know, I'm, I'm 40, um, 41 this year, and I was never taught it throughout school, so it hasn't come through education system, but it is changing now with the movement of positive psychology, and they're really starting, I know in my state of Adelaide, they've, they're trying to embed a lot of this in school, so kids can actually work out what this means and how important it is. I think people know, like when you actually, when you start to ask these questions of people, you know what resonates with you when you look at values. Um, so maybe we are living them, we've just never really documented them um, and put them into action and, and directed action. And so I think they're probably the two, probably the two main reasons. Uh -huh. 
Katrina is such an aligned soul. Many of us are confused about the power of establishing our values and then living in alignment with them. And that's why it's part of the process of the mental strength training program that we guide you through. Katrina is just one example of a values-based human that is loving life and thriving because she's living congruently with her values. She's also told us her secrets of time management as she's a mother of three, a business owner, a wife to a traveling husband. She's a sought after public speaker and a global entrepreneur. So we truly have learned an abundance from Katrina in the closed Facebook group. We've also been blessed with former Australian rugby player, Clyde Rathbone, who started up the online platform called Karma, which is a community of people celebrating the good in the world. On Karma, you can write open letters about the people that have impacted your life, and you can learn about someone by reading letters they've received. Their vision is for Karma to become the best way to learn and write about people. Clyde was a guest on episode number 35 and shared his journey through his mental health battles after he retired from professional sport and he talked in depth about his company and the cyclone of gratitude and positive online experiences it provides for people. Much more powerful than I think a lot of people might anticipate. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we've introduced it into this mental strength training online program as a tool because of that Excellent. that deep power and that ripple effect that it that it can and will have when people utilize it. Yeah, I'm I'm so stoked to hear that. Now I'll go to the next question and this one someone that's listened to the podcast and they've said you were very open on Robbo's podcast about your lived experience with mental health. You also said that what helped you come through the dark times might not be what works for others, but I wanted to ask two things. What's the tools or habits that you that got you through that you still use today? And then number two, do you believe there's a couple of quote-unquote white elephants in the room with a lot of people who experience mental illness such as diet, exercise, and their environment that should be a part of mental health awareness globally? Yeah, I mean, the things that help me are really basic things. And I think I mentioned this when we spoke, you know, they're not in, in any individual aspect particularly difficult. But I think maintaining consistency across the things that I do is the challenge. Off the top of my head, it's, it's basic things like positive social interaction, actually making an effort to connect with and catch up with friends and family and have really quality interactions and time with the people you care about. It's things like getting consistent quality sleep and exercise and diet and new learning, I think is a big one. Like really challenging yourself to you know, be out of your comfort zone a bit and be a novice on some level and trying to like master some skill set or wrap your head around a new concept. I think that's super important. And those are things that, you know, helped me when I was struggling and that I try and maintain now, you know, and I think they're fundamentally human things. You know, if you think about it from a, an evolutionary perspective, I think these are qualities that have underpinned the human thriving for millennia and somehow we've lost touch with them in the modern world and 
they all seem so basic, you know, things like getting sun, you know, like most of the population's vitamin D deficient and we're learning more and more about how important it is just to get sun. And it sounds like a gimmicky thing until you realize that it's part of a whole range of things. And all of these things might be one or two percenters, but if you fall off the wagon for long enough, you know, you're not getting positive social interaction. You're not eating quality food. You're not exercising. You're not learning. You're not expanding uh, your worldview and, you know, picking up new skills. You're not being a human animal, basically. You're going to pay the price for that. And, uh, and I think you know, part of what society is going through now is a reaction to generations that have kind of lost their way a bit and, it's up to us now to kind of reconnect with what it actually means to be a human being. Yeah, absolutely. And I can hear those galahs out the back there. Maybe you'll have to duck out and sing with them and get some vitamin D <laughs> when we're finished talking. <laughs> but it's it's interesting you talk about that actually because the the whole understanding of the primitive brain and the way that the mind has evolved and we do a lot of work with people around this and understanding that you know things like the, the mental illnesses like anxiety is a result of the primitive brain from us being in uh, out in the jungle and then not wanting to be attacked so we're always on edge and, and ready. And yeah. the, the depressive aspects are a natural, uh, sorry, creation from the brain, the primal brain from uh, when we hibernated and things like that in the past where you would go back inside yourself. So it's it's really great that, to hear you talk about that in terms of the primitive aspect and, and evolution and and then bring it back to well, what is it that we're supposed to be doing as humans to yeah. nourish the the brain and the neurochemistry and everything together. Yeah, and I think, you know, we, the other issue here is that we've become so used to quick fixes, you know, like a, a popping a pill solution as opposed to thinking about solving the problem more holistically and it's not likely to be one element it's a combination of factors and it, it requires you to kind of zoom out and think about your life from a big picture perspective and you know i think we've fallen into a trap as a culture of wanting a, a shortcut and some things there just is no shortcut for and there's reasons why it's good that there aren't shortcuts so you know, I think I'm really positive about the, the changes that are taking place and the general awareness for how we should be living our lives and just being more considered about the directions that we take and the, and the decisions we make and the options that we, we undertake. You know, I think it's so easy to get swept up in like this auto, automated living, you know, just one thing to the next without actually stopping and thinking about it. So. You know, I look around and I see some changes and that's really, really encouraging. Absolutely, yeah, massively. Now, you mentioned there before about learning as part of it and you talked about this on the podcast. This one's from me, but you've read and studied a lot about the mind and human behavior and I'm interested to know how this has helped you in a business sense because obviously you transitioned from an elite athlete and then you went through that period of your life and now you're into a lot more into business. How has that that study and that understanding of human behavior and the mind helped in business? I think it's, it doesn't really matter what problem you're trying to solve, whether it's the problem in professional sport of working out how to beat the team you've got to play on Saturday or in a startup working out how to solve the problem of viral growth or community engagement or whatever it is. It's just 
it all boils down to trying to make quality decisions and thinking about things in terms of your values. You know, with Karma, a lot of what we're talking about has translated into how we run our business. You know, we want this company to succeed, but we want the people in it to thrive as people on that journey. And if you offered me two options, one in which the company was wildly successful, but the people working in it were miserable, or a company in which the people in it really were thriving as human beings, but the, the company ultimately didn't succeed, I'd take option two, because it just seems that that's what really matters is that we all have a finite amount of time on earth and you want to fill it with as much quality as possible. And thinking about karma from that bigger picture perspective has been crucial to, I guess, getting through the difficult parts of building a business and especially in a, in a highly competitive consumer internet um, marketplace, it's, it's hard. You know, being in a startup is a challenge um, that's quite different from lots of others. And I think thinking about it from, in terms of what, how, how good is this time that we're using and the people that join our team and enter into this journey with us, are they going to look back on this and go, regardless of the outcome, that was a great decision in my life. You know, I became a better person. I learned, I grew, and I explored things, and I, and I feel as though I have no regrets. That's really important to us uh, as a founding team, for me, Dane, and Monish, and you know, I think we're, we're, we're doing a good job there. Yeah, I love how you put it like that, and that's the way that we should be approaching a lot of things in life, right, as in you know, taking the leap and, like you said earlier, getting outside of our comfort zones if it's in line with our values and if it's in an interest sake of allowing us to be better people uh, instead of being okay. caught and, and essentially sometimes getting stuck in environments that don't allow us to be that better version of ourselves. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. There you go. The depth of questions that are being asked by the program participants to these world-class guests are sometimes deep, sometimes fun, but always aligned with helping us understand more of the habits, tools, and strategies that can help improve all areas of our life and just love life more. Along with the weekly video presentations from me, personal development material delivered to you online through a few different ways and the opportunity to contact me every day of the program for advice on aligning and enhancing your mental strength. You also have these live Q&As that you've just heard a little bit from, from some of the world-class, genuine human souls. We have their presence for 20 to 30 minutes each time and as you've just heard, it's super powerful. We've also had Paralympic champions and world record holders Scotty Reardon and Vanessa Lowe teaching us about steps and processes for developing mental resiliency and mindfulness practices and many more legends have also joined us. Previous and current program participants are absolutely loving the connection to these guests and I wanted to give you a brief snapshot of some of the questions asked and the content covered that you could also have the opportunity to be a part of. So if you'd love to connect with these abundant and aligned souls and experience these Q&As, if you're committed, not just interested, but committed to learning more about yourself than ever before, joining an accountability group to help you achieve results by developing helpful habits, powerful mindsets and clarity in your life, 
then jump onto yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash coaching and check out more info there and sign up to this epic journey. And make sure to follow us on social media so you can enter to win the free pass each time we launch the new round of the program. You can pay in advance, secure your place, and if you end up winning the free pass, we just reimburse you the full amount. So you can pay in advance to secure your place because places are limited. So on Facebook and Instagram, it's at Life for Excellence. At L-I-F-E. F-O-R-X-L-N-S and I'll link that up in the show notes. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.